Hey everyone, and welcome to A Nurse to Champion Nurses. I'm your podcast host, Gentry. I'm a registered nurse and I work in the intensive care unit. I have a passion for my fellow nurses, doctors, and anyone in the healthcare profession. Our jobs demand so much of us that burnout seems to be inevitable. In this podcast, I want to help us discover ourselves through personality development, faith, and healthy living so that we can decrease burnout, improve our work environments, and create healthier, happier medical professionals. So if you are feeling overwhelmed, overworked, exhausted, and on the brink of quitting, welcome. This is the place for you. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope that 2024 is off to a great start for you. And I don't know, I hope you're adjusting to life without a Christmas tree better than me because the struggle is real. Um, It's always hard when I put Christmas away. I think because I love ruminating in the spirit of Christmas and when it's down, it's just kind of sad. Um, Even though I'm ready for it to be put away because I'm that weird kid that puts surgery out in October. We did that as kids, so I do that as an adult. Um, So I've enjoyed it for a long time and I'm ready for it to be down and to move forward, you know, embrace a new year. But taking it down is just always hard. So hopefully you are adjusting to life without a Christmas tree better than me. Um, But this week, you know, last week I talked about joy, the difference between joy and happiness. This week I want to talk about something that plays into that, at least for me. And that is the challenge of being single and being in healthcare. And originally I was going to title this episode, um, singleness from a nurse's perspective. And I wanted to discuss things like the challenge of meeting people in 2024. Um, you know, we work 12 hour shifts or more. And when we come home, we just crash like We don't even want to go be around our friends and and family, let alone go meet a new person and expend that much more energy. So things like that are challenging. And if you work nights, it's that much harder. So I wanted to discuss those things, but then I realized that's really only scratching the surface of what I really want to talk about. What I really want to get to, and this will definitely have to be a two-part um series and maybe even three depends on how feisty I get. We'll see. Um, but what I really want to talk about are the heart wounds of the single person heart wounds that we may not even know are there that we've just been slapping band-aids on thinking we're perfectly fine when we're not. I want to bring these heart wounds to light so that we can work on them, heal them from the inside out and really benefit from the freedom of healing those wounds. These heart wounds come in many shapes and sizes, and they come from every direction of life, from every source. We get it from society, from church, from even our wonderful, well-meaning married friends. These heart wounds come from the lies that we believe about ourselves based on our perception of the messages that we are internalizing from these sources. So I really want to take the time to dismantle these lies that have caused us heart wounds, because if I can do that, I'm taking the power away from the lie and I'm empowering us to remember 
the core of who we are, our true identity. Because heart wounds, if I'm just, you know, going to condense it down to a really simple statement, heart wounds are identity issues. So if we can remember the core of who we are and who we were made to be, I think that's when we can really step into healing. And obviously, everyone struggles in different ways. We all have different heart wounds, different sources of heart wounds. But I still believe that the skills in overcoming the lies and experiencing healing of those heart wounds are transferable. Because when you get down to it, a lie is a lie, regardless of what that lie says. It's not truth about who you are. And hopefully by the time this series is over, we can all start walking in a little bit more freedom. Because if you listened to my episode last week, I talked about the difference between joy and happiness and how freedom precedes joy. So that's my goal. I want to bring about joy through avenues of freedom. And I want to do that by just starting to dismantle these lies we believe. And if you're married, please still listen to this because there are nuggets of truth for you as well. In fact, I'm really hopeful that married people will listen to this because this is my opportunity to share my heart with all of you. Because whether you want to be or not, whether you signed up for it or not, you are a role model to singles. You are modeling marriage. So the things you say to us singles, the things you say, the things you you do, how you interact is so impactful to us. So I want to share my heart with you on ways to interact with singles that are uplifting and encouraging. All right, that was a super long setup. I'm totally aware of that. Um, But because this is near and dear to my heart and because I think it's important, I just felt like it deserved an appropriate setup. So let's jump in to the first lie that I've believed. And I've believed it for a very, very long time because it came from church culture, the evangelical culture. I am still 100% a believer. I love Jesus. I consider myself a Christian. But let me just clarify and say, I no longer want to be a part of the doctrine of the evangelical culture. Because there is so much doctrine that has that has been fed to us that comes from scripture that have that has been grossly taken out of context to fit the male agenda, to fit the patriarchal society. And if you actually go back to the Hebrew roots of the Old Testament, the Greek of the New, you're going to find that uh a lot of that doctrine does not fit. It doesn't fit the heart of Jesus. It fit into society, and that has been passed down from generation to generation. But it does not fit the heart of Jesus. Oh, and there's so many lies that come from from doctrine that are specific to women um, that I could go on a tangent about. I mean, I could just go on and on, but... I'll refrain and I will focus on the lie that I believed growing up as a single, as a single woman, and it carried into my adulthood. 
And for all you males out there, this isn't going to be, you know, a feminist rant. Um, I, I do believe that the church needs to start changing the way it addresses women in a lot of ways. So bear with me. And I actually think that if you listen to this and really take it in, um, you're going to learn how to love us women better because you're going to have a perspective that maybe you didn't ever have before. Maybe this is something you never thought about. Um, so understanding that heart wound for us can help you love us better. So growing up in the church, um, I, I've, I've never fit the church's perspective of what a female should look like in a marriage because I'm loud, outgoing, verbose. Um, I didn't fit the quiet little church mouse who, you know, wouldn't ever raise her hand. She'd always let her male counterparts do that because my place is to be quiet. My place is to be submissive. No, no, no. That was never going to be me. I tried. Honestly, I did. Because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to win the approval of my peers and my youth pastors and their wives but it never worked out for me because that's not who I am and that's not who I was created to be. But the message that I internalized was that I would never be worthy of a spouse until I got my personality under control and learned my place. Okay, Karen, what is my place? I'm going to tell you what my place is. My place is standing next to my husband. My place is walking side by side with him, not ahead of him, not behind him, but in tandem with him, making decisions with him and having the freedom within my marriage to speak up. And even if people in the church did believe that women could speak up in their marriage, I was told that my opinion didn't really matter. I mean, it. they said that it did. Like, oh, well, you know, you can share your opinion with your husband, but your husband rules over you. Therefore, his opinion is what will stick. Uh-uh. No. No on so many levels. No. This very thought process has put way too many women in the hands of abusers. The abusers physically, emotionally, spiritually, verbally, and sexually abuse their wives, all the while saying, you have to submit to me because that's what scripture says. So if you're a female and you're sitting there thinking, yep, all of this seems to apply to me, I heard all the same things growing up, well, you're in good company. The lies that we've been fed need to stop. The lies that we are not worthy of a husband because we aren't mild and meek. The lies that our husbands rule over us. They're so damaging and they need to stop right here, right now. So how do we stop the lies? Well, the truth is, is we don't. They're going to be fed to us. It's going to take a huge change in church culture, which I do believe is coming. I see a revival. Um, I, I really do. I see that. So we're not going to currently change the fact that we're being fed lies, but we can guard ourselves against them. So if you're fed scripture through your 
pastor or whoever, um, and it doesn't seem to fit into God's character of being loving and kind and good to both men and women, then question it. Go study it. Learn the heart of the Father because you can't find your identity if you don't know his character. I have been working on this for a very long time. Um, It has not been an easy path, but I am having to relearn the character of Jesus because I recognize that the doctrine and the lies that I was fed damaged my heart and my mind. So it's going to take time for you to break these down, for you to dismantle this these lies, but it's worth it. Take the time because when you walk in the freedom of knowing that all of that crap is not true, I can't even describe how amazing it feels. Okay, I am at the 15, no, 13 minute mark already. So I'm just going to address a couple more things and then I will continue this next week. The next lie I want to address is the lie of timing. And this one still gets me because I recognize that, you know, it is a timing issue, that God's timing is perfect and that mine is flawed because I only see a tiny portion of the portrait that God is painting for my life. Um, But man, it's so hard not to get wrapped up in the whole timing issue, especially being in my 30s. You know, as women, I think we do feel like our biological clock is ticking if we want children. So it's very challenging to grapple with, with just that nagging in your soul that's like you you better get married soon you better get married soon time's gonna pass you by and this is amplified by the well-meaning people and typically you find these people at church who want to encourage you and say oh well it's all in god's timing it's okay okay i know it's okay i mean i'm i'm not really okay but thank you for that and I don't need to be reminded that it's God's timing and not my own because I'm acutely aware of it because if it were my own timing, I would be married and I'd have kids. So don't keep reminding me of this. So if you're someone who wants to inquire about a single person's singleness, uh, whether or not they're dating somebody, please do so with caution and please refrain from using the all in God's timing statement because well, you're just going to make us mad for one. <laughs> um, but we are already aware of it. So instead, partner with us in the belief that our spouse is near, that the time for marriage is is soon approaching. Because it's really easy for a single person to get stuck in the concern and the lie that, well, what if there isn't anyone out there for me? What if I never get married? it's hard to believe that God truly has someone out there for us, um, you know, if we haven't met them. So partner with us because when you partner with us and say, I'm believing with you that marriage is soon approaching, then that's filling in the gaps of our disbelief and that's standing with us. That is so much more powerful than the innocuous, it's all in God's timing phrase that I'm sure people just say to fill the silence, but I'd almost rather silence. So what can you do to come 
to combat the timing issue. And I wish I had just a magic phrase or a magic something that you could do and it would make that anxiety go away, but there isn't. Unfortunately, this is a trust issue with you and God. And recognizing that if your heart truly desires marriage, if that's something you want to be a part of your life, then you have to trust that it is in God's plan because marriage is a part of God's heart. You know, he saw that Adam was alone and it wasn't good. So he made a partner for him and placed her before him and said, that was very good. So marriage is in his design. It's not outside of him. Therefore, if you truly desire it, if that is a deep desire of your heart, you have to just trust that it's going to happen. And it just doesn't look like how he wanted it to. It doesn't have the timing that we wanted. And that's really hard. So that's just something that that I, to this day, have to remind myself, you know, when I find myself going down the path of what if uh, it doesn't happen? What if this? What if that? To say, nope, this is a desire of my heart. It will be fulfilled. And the more you say that to yourself, the more you do begin to believe it. The last lie I want to talk about for this episode is the lie that there is only one person out there for you. This is something I believed for a very long time, and it wasn't until about a few years ago that I had this revelation that there is not just one person out there. There are many people that I could choose. But let me back up a little bit. I grew up believing that there was only one person out there for me, and I don't even really know the origin of that belief. But I do know that my parents would say things like, "Your, you know, my mom would say to me, your dad and I are praying for your future spouse. And he has the perfect man picked out for you. And I think I internalized that as, oh, then that means there's only one person. And God was going to place them in my life and it was going to be his will and not mine. Um, so, you know, didn't really matter if I was attracted to them or not. I just had to wait and see what God brought me. And I'm not entirely sure how I came to develop such a drastic opinion. Um, but it was there and it was there until I was in my late twenties until one day I woke up and I was really angry. Like, and I didn't even know why I just woke up pissed off. (laughs) Do you ever have those days? And when that happens to me, I know that there's a deeper issue um, going on because you don't just wake up angry. Like there's something eating at you. And so I was trying to do some self-reflection on, you know, what what's going on. Um, and the Holy Spirit just met me where I was at. And he could just tap me on the shoulder and he's like, you're mad at me. You're mad at God. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I don't really know why. And the more I tapped into it, the more I realized I was angry at being single. And I went further and finally realized I'm not just angry at being single. Like that's not even really the issue. The issue is that I'm angry that I have no choice in who my spouse is. And that was the root of the issue. And the Holy Spirit said, "Mm -hmm, there it is. There it is. Now my question to you 
is why do you believe that? Where in my word do I tell you that there is only one singular person out there for you? And I thought, hmm, nowhere. And it was a revelation because I was just worried that whoever God had for me wasn't going to be someone I was attracted to. There, I was worried there wouldn't be chemistry. And so when I realized that there are many people out there that I have the, the freedom to choose, it just gave me this excitement of like, oh, so I will be attracted to my spouse because I have the freedom to choose who I want to choose. You know, and when my parents told me and my sister that they were they're praying for the men that would, that would come into our lives, I realized now that the heart of the prayer was not so much about the perfect husband, um, but rather they prayed for their girls to have discernment to choose a good, kind, loving man. And that's what the prayer really was was about discernment for their daughters, not so much about, you know, one singular human meant for your child. Now, I know that there are going to be people who still believe in the whole soulmate thing. And if they do, let them believe that. If they are comfortable in that, if that gives them peace, this is not a lie that everybody struggles with. Um, It was a lie for me. But if someone else wants to believe that there's a soulmate and they have perfect peace in that, then I'm going to let them have that because who am I to trample on what they are peaceful about? So this isn't like a doctrine lie or something that's really damaging to every single person. It was just damaging to me. And if you find that it's something that you struggle with, then I encourage you to step outside of it and recognize that, hey, the singular being for me um, perception doesn't have to be what I believe. You know, I, I do have free will. I do have the freedom to choose my spouse. So hopefully that, uh, gives you a little sense of freedom if that's something you struggle with. So I recognize that this has nothing to do with healthcare. Although being in healthcare has definitely made me realize that I want to choose my spouse very carefully (laughs) because I see how people treat their, their spouse in the hospital. And I'm like, geez, good grief. Um, so it definitely makes me very aware that I want to choose my spouse very carefully. And, you know, now that I think about it, I think there is a healthcare application here. Um, you know, we as nurses, physicians, PT, OT, CNA, whatever your avenue is, we're taking care of people. And in order to take care of people and do it well, we have to first take care of ourselves. And we do this through self-care, you know, and I think the majority of us view self-care as I'm going to go get a massage or take a mental health day. And that's important. I think we, we should do those things, but I think self-care should actually go a lot deeper and go into self-reflection because think about it. If you believe lies about yourself, that's going to impact you in any workplace, not just a hospital or a clinic. Like that's going to impact you in every aspect of your life. 
when we can break down the lies that we believe about ourselves and focus on the truth of our identity, then I know without a doubt that we can take better care of our patients and we can have better relationships at work. So regardless of what your vocation is, I hope that you got something from this. I hope that there's freedom or maybe the tools to dismantle the lies that you've been believing about yourself for far too long. Um, that's, that's my prayer. My prayer is that you can find freedom because freedom precedes joy. And I want you to have a joyful, amazing year. But I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to being back next week and I will talk about more lies that singles believe.